glad you joined us for New Hope's Sermon of the Week. For more resources, be sure to contact newhopecom.org. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Um, so I'm going to get right into this. We're into week two here of a series called Unbroke, Breaking the Financial Barrier. Uh, I got a lot of good feedback from people last week, and uh, we're going to just build on that, what we started uh, last week. So um, I'm going to do a quick review. So if you weren't here, you're going to get in about a few minutes what we spent 40 minutes last time doing. So um, you know, go online, listen to it. You'll get a lot more in-depth from what I'm going to share here, but I want to build on this, bring us up to speed. Um, we talked about last week that my intentions for doing this series has been in my heart for a while and I have never done this before. So I'm sharing a lot of things in a few weeks. Um, but really my intention was to see people break free from any poverty mindset or limiting beliefs that we have um, and get in control of your finances. You know that we're supposed to have dominion over our finances. It's not supposed to control us. Um, and also to see people in New Hope giving a new hope go to an entirely new level. When we start getting this, when we start grabbing onto these concepts, these principles, I expect to see explosive generosity. That's the natural result of getting freed up from limiting beliefs. It can affect any area of our lives too, not just finances. Um, but, so we're week two into this fun journey that we're starting that really, I believe, could dramatically change your life. I am serious when I say that too. So if you listen, you know, we're not just to be hearers, but doers of the word. If you put into practice what I'm talking about last week and this week, especially, we're going to be very practical this week, um, your life will change. You can, how many would love, at some point, it's a cool thing to say, I can dramatically shift the course of my life starting today. God's mercies are new every morning. It's not about what we didn't do or about having guilt or shame or regret. You know, that's not the purpose of any of this. It's to start fresh today. Um, I shared last time, you know, there's really, when I say that, there's no shame. You shouldn't hear this stuff and say, oh, I feel bad. Well, I wish I had done this or I had done that. That's not the purpose. It's about us learning and growing together. Um, you know, I have made mistakes. You know, I'll be really candid on that. Um, you know, I went to business school, I have an MBA, I did learn a lot, I've invested, I've been reading about this stuff for years, and then we all have to deal with our own hearts and mistakes that we made. I remember years back, I had invested a pretty large sum of money into something that I felt was going to be really successful. And it was like, you know, Joy will remember this. I, you know, it was, it was a blunder. I was like, I knew I shouldn't have taken this money and pushed it into this company stock because I thought it was going to do really well. And uh, it was a speculative thing. And, and I lost a lot from it. Um, it was really disappointing. But I had to forgive myself. I had to get over it and say, you know what? What am I going to learn from this? I'm not doing that again. I'm not going to be speculative and guess in stuff that I don't understand because I felt like I wanted to do it. Uh, I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to be long-term. I'm going to think long-term kingdom thinking. Uh, and I'm not going to do that again. So I have made mistakes. So... Um, so we dealt last week with some barriers. And you know, these barriers are things that we don't say I believe them, but they're in our thinking. You know, we've learned it, we grew up with it. Um, it's not like I say this stuff out loud, but it's in our, the way we, we act. And we, we, we act out of our belief system. So we wanted to break some of these barriers first, change our thinking before we can even go any farther. So the one barrier we talked about was that money is bad. 
And the truth is, we dealt with this, is that money is a tool and it's a blessing. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money for itself that will open your life up to a lot of evil. Yeah, we're not after that. We broke barrier number two, that it's more holy or spiritual to be poor. We talked about, we see this a lot in Christian settings. But the truth is, is the Bible, if you read it, promotes wealth, generosity, um, and inheritance, actually. Uh, it's all throughout it. In fact, the, the parables itself are filled with references of money and of, of, of and investing. The Old Testament talks all about inheritance and the blessing of leaving inheritance for your children. Well, to have an inheritance, you had to have invested, you had to have built something. So it's all throughout the Bible. So you're not more spiritual to be poor. If you would like to, you can go after that, but uh, I, I don't recommend it. <laughs> I, I don't. Uh, barrier number three. We broke this one, too. We hear this a lot. Like, I don't have the ability to make money. We might not come out and say it, but it's in our thinking. It's in our belief system. It's just not my thing, you know? Um, well, the reality is that anybody can learn a handful of principles that will lead you to a generous, blessed life uh, and avoid major pitfalls. You don't have to be a financial expert. I'm not a registered financial advisor, but I have learned, I've wanted to study and understand this. So anybody can learn, learn this. And honestly, it's a lot of what you don't do that will set you on a right course. So um, I really believe that. And even if we get back to the whole thing about money is bad, when we have a belief system that we believe money is bad, it actually cuts you off from access to it. It, it repels you from it, and you actually start living, you start doing things that are self-destructive financially. So it's important that we, we identify that if we have it, and we repent of that belief, and we move on. We declare the truth over it. We talked about barrier number four, this one. I have to make a lot of money before I can start giving or, being, or sowing. That's a lie, and that will actually keep you in the place that you're at. And that's a hoarder mentality. Uh, generosity is progressive, we talked about, but it starts with practical steps in a, a healthy and a biblical belief system. Sacrifice costs something, and it impacts our lifestyle. So uh, we first set aside money to give. One of the things I've said for years is that generosity is a symptom of a renewed mind. If you want to know if you, start, if you really are living the life of Christ, if you're taking on his nature, generosity is one of the indicators. I mean, when I think of Jesus and what he gave, I mean, he didn't come to serve, or, or, you know, to be served, but he came to serve, he came to give. He's amazing. So we talked about that. We actually broke down, too, uh, what it looks like to have a poverty mentality versus a prosperous mentality. So a pro poverty mentality feels like you're always swimming upstream. You're always working harder. You're, you're never making progress. Poverty mentality thinks that actually God wants life to be hard, and God wants life to be difficult, and that's a poverty mindset. A poverty mindset is also that money is the boss of me. I respond for what needs to be paid, what needs to be done. Um, but a prosperous mentality or a prosperous spirit which we're all looking to see grow in us, believes that we're in the flow of God's favor and his goodness yeah. on our life. Like that you can close your eyes like you're on the Titanic, and it's like, oh man, I'm going through life, it's not perfect, but I'm opening up myself to God and his goodness and his abundance, not just in finances, but in every area of my life. 
it's, you believe that God is good and that God is a good father that wants you to be successful and to do well in life. What father or mother doesn't want that for their children? What mo- father or mother is saying, well, I really want them to have a hard life. That's how they're going to learn. You know, it's like, no, that's, that's not the heart attitude of a loving mother and a father. Uh, a, pr- a prosperous mentality sees opportunities and it sees abundance in all things. Um, you, you don't look and just see lack. You see opportunity. Opportunities start opening up to you. Uh, prosperous mentality is, no, I'm the boss of my money. I have dominion over where my money goes. I make choices. I'm not a slave of my money and of my debt, but I direct it where it goes. We talked about uh, the car ride that I had on the way back from San Francisco where we were on beautiful Pacific Coast Highway after going to the Redwood Forest, and we were on this amazing road looking over the coast, and I couldn't even enjoy it because I was so motion sick on this road of all these weird turns and twists and stuff. It was like all this beautiful stuff around us, but I was so focused on like, I had to sit in the middle of the car, I was looking forward so I didn't throw up all over this beautiful vehicle we were in, Um, just praying to God to get me through that trip. Um, That's kind of what a poverty mentality is going through life, it would be like that. It's like you can't even see what's around you, you're so focused on this. And you're getting hit from all sides. It's like a, a street you're driving over and your pot's pothole ridden. And you're just subject to every little thing in the road. And you can't enjoy it. Versus the picture I love of the drone that they put over those mountains in Norway or something. It's like they fly it out. And you see this expansiveness. And you see green. And you see like forests and stuff. And you can see what's out in front of you, and you have options, and it's beautiful. That's like what life is like with a prosperous mentality, not just for finances, but any area of our lives. It's like we can see what's out there, the goodness and the beauty of God. We see opportunities. We're not just like this, like, you know, as soon as we get some extra money now in our bank account, it's gone, our car dies, and we've got to sew it all into there. You're always feeling stuck and feeling behind. That's not God's will for our life. So um, the goal for uh, last week was exposing and getting rid of a poverty mindset. So we prayed into it. We did some amazing declarations. I, mean, I don't know. Did you feel like the faith level rising of what God is doing? It was awesome. I loved it. I listened to it like three times this week, just my own message. Like, I was like, that was awesome. It felt good. I don't know who that guy was. But whoever that guy is, oh, he's anointed. <laughs> So our goal for New Hope, our goal for New Hope is that we are a community of people that have prosperous mindsets, prosperous mentalities, prosperous spirits, that there's more than enough in everything we do. That's that's really our goal. Opening ourselves up to the blessing of God in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 10.22 we talked about, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he doesn't add sorrow to it. That's awesome. So that was really good. So that was a quick recap of last week, and we talked about this scripture too, that uh, in all respects you'd prosper and be in health just as your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper in all respects. That's not a name it and claim it. That's not a grab it and blab it mentality or false doctrine or anything. This is like the will of God for our lives, that we prosper in all respects. Do we believe that? I mean, do we believe that God wants us to yeah. prosper in all respects? I love that. I'm so glad we serve a God like that. He's good. 
So let's talk about this. My one point I wanted to start with this week uh, was seeking first the kingdom of God. Okay, we've heard this scripture so many times. But here's the truth, is that we live according to a new kingdom. When we become Christians, we follow a king. There's different rules, there's different ways and culture and things that we're acclimating to. In less than two weeks, I'm going to be in the country of Israel. And I'm I'm going, I'm one of the Welton junkies that follows these trips all over the world. I go every year, and I've got to get out of the country at least once a year, go see places. Um, So I will enjoy it. But I'm going to acclimate to the rules of that country. You know, I'm going to understand what is the currency here? What type of food do they eat? Um, You know, they eat at different times. Everything's different. They might drive on a different side of the road. I don't know. I don't think they do, but they might. I'm going to have to make sure I'm driving on the right side of the road. That would be kind of important. Um, So it's the same with our kingdom. We serve a good king, and we start to live according to kingdom principles now because that's the best way for us. That's That's the right way. That's the righteous way, a way righteous people live. You know, I say this a lot. I grew up um, watching my dad, who, who ran a company basically in Rochester, and the highlight of, like, my summer would be going to work with my dad, and he was general manager of a company. There was a manufacturing operations. There was, they, would, they did shipping and packaging and made cardboard boxes and everything, so we'd run around out in the plant out there while all the work's going on, and, you know, it's like, I was just like, I don't know. I, I'm just running. I don't, I'm pretty sure there's OSHA laws against that today, Dad, and everything, but we'd get up on the boxes, like two stories up, and just sit up there, and I'd bring a book, or I'd read, bring my snacks up there, and sit up there and watch everyone working, or... You know, so I grew, grew up with that, watching my dad running a company, treating workers well, saying, I want to be like that. You know, I want to, um, oh, and this was the highlight. So the real, the real reason we went was to eat, I'm pretty sure. So we would go, we'd order lunch, dad would order, I'd place my order and fill it on the form, give it back to him, they'd call it in, and we all get lunch delivered. And then we, in the middle of the morning, he would bring us down to the vending machines, and we did, he had the keys to the vending machines. So he would open them up and open it, you know, those old vending machines, and spin out the door. What do you want? I'm like, I want five bags of chips. I want every candy bar. I want three things of Coke because I'm going to need it this morning while I'm in the office working. I was like eight years old, you know. So I'd grab it all out of there. He'd lock it back up, and we'd walk on out of there, and I'd go into my little office that I claimed to do work, and I'd bring staplers along next to me and paper clips and all this stuff. I'd have all my snacks laid out, because that's what you do at work, right? You eat, and you have a good time. So, so I grew up with that mentality, uh, and I didn't really realize that until years later, but that's, I think, like an accurate view for me of our Heavenly Father, that he's got the keys to the vending machines, you know? And uh, if we need something, we can ask. And God is good. And he's, that's the God we serve. Um, I want to have that mindset of how I think about God. Uh, it doesn't mean that he just makes life completely easy and gives you everything you need at any time. He's wise, he's good, he's got good timing, but we can trust him. And he has the storehouse, I mean, he's, he owns the finances. The keys to heaven's economy are different, you know? So that's a great picture of God. So I think of that when I think of seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. If we, we come before God, we orient our lives 
around seeking first the kingdom in every aspect of our life. It's so simple. It, it's simple, but it costs. You know, I mean, it really is about just full surrender, every area, finances, our marriage, our relationships, all of it under the lordship of Christ. It says in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord from your wealth in the first of all of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will will overflow with new wine. I, I love this. When I think of surrendering before the Lord, even in my finances, I don't just give what I have left over. I honor him from the first of what I've gotten. And because it's all his, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. You know, it's like if I'm a steward of the king, and I'm out there working, earning my money. It's just not for myself and to just live my own life. It's, we seek first the kingdom now. Lord, what would you have me do? How, how do I serve you? It, it's not just an afterthought, giving and generosity. We actually build our lives around it. So we honor the Lord from our wealth and from the first of what we get. It's a great, great way to live life. It's all, of, oh, okay, my second point um, It's all about heart. And I think there was like a song, Broadway song about this at one point. It's all about heart heart attitude and the love for God. We ultimately give because it's in our hearts. You know, uh, that's the reality. We don't just give to get. You know, I love the principle of sowing and reaping. Jonathan had an amazing testimony on it last week. I believe it 100%. But even with that, we don't just in the kingdom sow to get something. We sow because it's our nature. We give because it's the nature of Christ in us. We're looking for opportunities to do that. Jesus gave himself fully, not to get something from us, but to demonstrate his love. How are we when it comes to giving and not expecting a return? Like, I think that's honestly a great test. Can you sow into something you know you're not going to get a return off, but the Holy Spirit told you to? Like, that's a, that's a thing that might challenge, challenge us. Um, I want to play this testimony I shared with you last week that we, we have, as I've been starting to teach about this and as I was preparing, people would start coming to me before I even started saying, hey, I'm really glad you're talking about it. I've got a testimony. I'd love to share it. So part of us having renewed minds is hearing of stories and what yeah. people are doing and hearing breakthrough and testimonies like we heard today with Tim sharing about fire starters. So if we can play that, that would be great. Hey, New Hope fam, uh, just coming at you from my car here, out on the road, driving around. Wanted to share a testimony Water. of what happened with Rachel and I when we first moved to Rochester because we experienced some major financial setbacks, but then also some major breakthrough. And what happened with us is we had stopped giving from the time we left our church in Colorado because we had taken all the money that we had, we sold everything, came out here, and we were basically just living off of the remainder of the money and then what people had given us. And then I had gotten a job and we were working and we didn't get back in the habit of giving right away. And the job I had was a very low paying job. I wasn't happy. I was sitting in a cubicle uh, working part time, making barely enough to pay anything. And my wife and I said, you know what, we haven't given since we moved to Rochester. So maybe it's time we just start regardless of where we're at or how we feel or whatever. And so my wife decided to open up the app at home and she gave right there. And at the very moment that she gave, we got a message from a recruiter for the company that I now work for. And it was not insignificant that the moment that we gave, 
we get a message from the recruiter and I get offered this job that now has been one of the best companies I've ever worked for in my whole life and we couldn't be happier. It was the breakthrough came at that very moment. So I just wanted to share that with you and hope that blesses you guys. So if you're in a place where maybe you stopped giving and you held back for a little while, you had some financial setbacks like we did, that's totally normal. Uh, but I would challenge everybody just to take a leap of faith and re-engage in giving and see what God does. Thanks. Bless you. Have a good day. Uh, is that good? You know, I love that. And uh, those things happen, like what you heard. We heard some last week of just supernatural breakthroughs that happen when we, when we give and when we sow. I shared a few that happened last week as I was, as I was preparing for the message last week. Um, but I think it's interesting. You know, in the beginning of our giving journey, we step out in faith. And let's be honest, it's a little scary. It's something new. It costs us something, if you've never done that before. Um, and we're, we're counting on God to come through. We're like, okay, I'm sowing here, but Lord, you better come through. You know, like, I'm really counting on you. But as we mature, generosity becomes real in our heart. It actually takes hold of our lives. And we don't just give to get a return anymore. Uh, we give because it's our nature. You know, so, like, I totally... It's absolutely right about what happens. You should expect supernatural breakthrough. You should expect supernatural things happening. I know people in this room I've heard of, like, hey, I gave to something, and then I got a check in my mailbox for the exact amount of money that I needed to do this or do that. That has happened to us countless times over our life. Um, that will happen, and you've got to get used to it. And in fact, it will become so normal that you don't even recognize it anymore. Like, it just, you just have enough. God provides enough when you get into that flow. Um, but the point is, is that we don't just give to get. We don't just give to get a return. Generosity becomes our nature as a believer. Okay? I want to put up just a fun graph I just did. Uh, I, I know you don't typically see this stuff in church, graphs and things, but I, I want to give as much as I can here in this. I want to make it so practical. But I look at this like our heart, before we come to know Christ, most uh, of our heart is oriented to the very bottom, the, the most you know, prevalent thing in our life is spending, or our own life, or the needs of to get through today and tomorrow. If we have anything left over, we might save something, right? And then if there's anything left over from that, we might give and sow, you know, and put $5 in the offering bucket as it goes by. Um, but that's our heart, I think, a picture of what I see as our heart before we come to know Christ. And it's by nature more selfish. I mean, we're thinking more of our own needs. But when we come to know Christ, our life takes on a whole new purpose and a whole new meaning. We live now for a mission to serve the king, to see the expanse of his government on earth, right? So if we go to the next one, what I like to see, and I believe this is true of a heart attitude, is our focus becomes on giving and sowing and generosity, saving and then spending. Um, we don't just think of ourselves or our own needs met. It's not just about increasing our standard of living, but our standard of giving. So uh, I feel like that's a picture of what the transition that our heart makes as a believer. We start thinking more big picture. We start think thinking it like Christ, like giving, like sowing. So is that helpful? Yeah. Just even in picture form, um, you know, that's, I, th I thought that was Good. cool, and I came up with it, so... So. so it's funny, you know, we, we live in a GoFundMe society. 
Uh, for, th for things that 15 years ago we would have saved up to buy for ourselves. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's not a shot against any, I give to them. It's like, I see a, I, I see a need, I'm going to give. But what if, I almost think like, instead of go fund me, if it was I fund you. I mean, that should be our attitude as a believer. Like, I fund you. There should be a website for people looking for opportunities to sow into things and to give, not just people asking for it for themselves. So instead of go fund me, it should be I fund you or something. Yeah, our heart is to give, to work, to invest, to give, to sow. So in the kingdom of God, we're, we're givers. We're not just consumers anymore. You know, it's like we're not just sitting here receiving. We're pouring out. We're conduits. We're stewards of God's goodness in his resources. So um, I'm going to talk and build on this a little bit here and talk for a few minutes on time and money. And I promised that I would get it very practical. So it's not to overwhelm with numbers or anything. I, I know you, I'm thinking, like, I don't know if I've ever seen graphs in church, but like, this is a new day, and I want to show things that I think are helpful, and sometimes that's the best way for us to learn. So I apologize for those who are listening on the podcast so you cannot see this, but I'll try to translate it really well for you. So um, last week, Jonathan talked about planting seeds, sowing and reaping. He was talking about sowing the based on what you would, you would like to receive. So rather than just sowing the bare minimum, what you want to see in a return. And I think that was great. Sowing and reaping takes time, right? Building wealth God's way takes time. It's not about get-rich-quick schemes, uh, rushing things, rushing God. I mean, it just isn't. It takes time. Hebrews 6 says, But imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Wealth building takes time, it takes thought, and it also takes compound interest. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world. It's an amazing, wonderful thing. And he also said you're either paying compound interest or you're earning it. Wow. So you want to earn it. It's a lot better. And it's an amazing thing. You know, mathematics is like the, they call the hidden language of our universe. I am convinced that God built that into creation. I mean, it is, it is the foundation. Everything we have here is because of mathematics. And like some of this stuff, I am convinced God came up with the concept of sowing and reaping. He came up with a concept of compound interest and mathematics and the rule of 72 and all that stuff that you can figure out and mathematically helps so it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Over time, money compounds dramatically. And I'm convinced that God didn't want it to be as hard as we think it should be. That if we learn a few principles about how money and how time helps, uh, it's, it's significant to understand. So if we can put up a little graph, my next one here. Oh, actually, okay, um, I'll come back to that one. Let's move on to the graph. Um, so this is like what uh, money in an account would do is a picture in a bank account over time. Now, we don't get a lot of interest on money in a bank now. You put it in, you're going to get a 1% or 2%. It's, it's pathetic, if it's even that much. So that's a very rough idea, but it's a very slow growth over time. If you left your money sit in a bank and it accumulated a certain amount of simple interest, however that's calculated monthly or yearly, you're going to see a little steady incline over decades. It's not going to be that significant, but it's better than having it sit in a bank account. Um, but the, if we can put up the next graph, compound interest. Now, this is a little rough, a little due to limitations I could do in my skills on PowerPoint, but that gives you the idea. 
So that's what compound interest would do over time. Um, so when you hear about people investing money into a 401k, into an IRA, you're buying pieces of companies when you're doing that, and you're letting it, you end up over time making more money off of interest than you do off of principal and what you've been putting into it. So it's a huge thing, and time is on your side here. So you always hear about when you're young, start putting money in a, because you've got 40 plus years to let that sit in there and accumulate, and it, it takes a while for it to the compounding to start working, but you know, 20, 30, 40 years in, you see a big rise. You see, I mean, you hear people like when they retire, well, we're gonna try to keep working part-time because our money's accumulating so quickly, we don't wanna start withdrawing it because we wanna let it keep working in there. So that's compound interest. So, um, so the, the messages here is that I often hear, well, I don't have money to save and invest. No, you, you can't afford not to do this. So you, you have to figure out a way or set aside some money. I mean, it's always amazing to me, and I'll use this example. Joyce said, you're gonna use that example because you do that. I go to Starbucks like once or twice a day, you know, but I get black coffee. It's only like $2 a cup. It's not a $4, $50 latte or anything like that. Um, but if you just save that, and you didn't spend a $5 latte every day, you'd have like $2,000 at the end of a year. You'd have plenty of money to get this started. I mean, little things that we make shifts in our life free up resources. It's amazing what we can do when we track our expenses and understand where our money is really going. So wherever you are, even if you're you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, these principles still apply. Start getting money and start investing into the, the market. And it's very easy, you can open up a simple IRA or if you have a 401k through your work, <clears throat> you, you can't afford not to get involved in that. So I think I'm really speaking here for the young generation as well. Like if we are, if you are under 40 especially, you cannot afford not to be taking advantage of that. And that can start like Monday, you can call, set up an IRA and start contributing a little bit of money out of your paycheck and now you're, you're allowing money to work for you. You don't have to just keep working so hard. You can go through life saying, I know stuff is working in there for me. I know I'm taking money out. The money is compounding over time. It's multiplying exponentially. And it's, you, let in there, you let it sit in there for quite a while. And it's pretty significant. So I'm happy to share more. I'll give a little scenario, um, but you know, I, I thought this would be a good thing to share. So if we go to the next page, so let's take an example. John, our friend John, okay, he's age 27. He invests $2,000 per year until age 65. So a 27-year-old, he said, okay, I get this. I'm gonna start putting aside $2,000 each year until I'm 65. He has invested $78,000 over the course of those almost 40 years, and he has $805,000 at, at age 65 because it sat in there for 30 years plus, 40, almost 40 years. Uh, it's, it's, it's taking $78,000, making it $805,000, with you hardly doing anything. Right. Just putting in a little bit of money to sow and to get that in there so it's saving. Uh, let's go to the next one. This is even more powerful. So let's say a friend, Rachel. She's 19 years old. Do we have anyone here who's 19? 18? Okay, Aaron. Okay, man, this is for you, just for you today. And his parents are like, yes, talk to him, let him know. 
Uh, so Rachel, at age, or Aaron, at age 19, amazingly, invests $2,000 for eight years until 26 and stops. Um, a life event happens. I know, it'd slap him for stopping, but, <laughs> but let's just say he did. He had a major life event, it stopped. He stops at age 26. He does $2,000 a year. He invests only $16,000 total. Because of the time in compound interest, it's 65, it's a million in $19,148. And Aaron is taking his parents on vacation. You guys are doing cruises. It's like he's, he's, he's living the life, you know, at 65. So the point of this is, is that if you're young, you cannot afford not to do something here and to start small. Start with something. If you can do 5000 a year, do the math. I mean, it would be huge. Um, if you're in your 40s or 50s, get it started. Start doing something. You will catch a good wave of interest accumulation. So, um, but I think when I look at this and I think about it, I think God was so smart. When he talks about in the Bible, like honoring him, being generous and sowing, and don't be the lender, be, you know, or be the lender, not the borrower, God designed some of this stuff. He, he's, the, he's the originator of mathematics and math, and he wanted life to be easier than we think it needs to, it really has to be sometimes. Um, and you can be doing a little things going through life, even if you, you, you may, you know, hey, I don't make six figures, I don't do this and that. You don't need to. You can just do little things like this, sowing and investing, and you don't have to worry through life because you know you are setting aside stuff for the future. You're investing, you're building. You're biblically using time in your favor, and you're going to make a great return, okay? So I thought that would be helpful. Uh, again, I'm not a registered financial advisor, um, but these concepts, you could pick up almost any book financially and learn it, and I would encourage you to start. If we can go back to the 10, 10, 80 slide, um, I wanted to throw this out there, you know, and to get very, very practical. What does all this stuff mean? What is a good starting point? How do I get started? Well, in order to start giving, in order to start saving, you need to have goals. Good. You got to work towards something. Right. And otherwise, it's just like, well, whatever I have left, I'm going to give. I don't have any, any money to save or invest. And when I use saving, I'm usually using it synonymously with investing. Because you're not just saving to keep in a bank account, you're saving it to move it off into an investment or IRA or something to work for you. So when I think of a good starting point, um, I know Harold Everly has talked about this as well. We've talked about it here in the past. You kind of call it 101080. If you're looking for a good starting point, you start giving and sowing 10% of your income. You start saving, investing 10% of your income. Then you have 80% left over to live a great life to pay your bills, to do vacations, all that stuff that is not like a bad thing. That's great. But if you have goals, it helps. And you might not get there to start overnight, but you might start, you know, I'm going to try 5%. I'm going to step out in faith. If I make $1,000 a week, you know, and I can't give $100 a week, I'm going to start giving 50. But I'm going to work up to 10%, work up to $100, Beyond that, you might be years later, you know, I'm going to work up to more. I want to start giving away 15%. I want to increase my standard of giving. It starts with goals and knowing where you want to get started. You know, the beautiful thing, we're not under the old covenant. We're, it's not a legalistic requirement for giving anymore. It's a heart attitude. 
And at the same time, I think it's good to have goals. And otherwise, without goals, you just, without a vision, the people perish. Without goals, you just kind of drift through life and, you know, you just, you're not going to make an impact. Um, So is that helpful as a starting point? Just put, I mean, there's a lot of people here, a lot of people who are already doing this, okay? This church is here in growing and expanding because people are giving and sowing and they're being generous. And you're going to keep hearing more testimonies from like Will and Jonathan last week and others who are going to be saying, yeah, I have been giving, I've been sowing, and my life is blessed. Like, I feel like I'm under the blessing of God. I am on a divine flow through life. And, you know, you often don't hear generous people talk about money problems. I'm just going to be honest. You don't, you don't often hear people who live generous lifestyles have chronic financial problems for a reason because they're obeying some of this stuff. They're, they're honoring the Lord from the first of their produce. They're setting aside money to sow. They're set, setting aside money to invest and to save for the future. Um, and then they're enjoying life, you know, and you're enjoying life without worry, without anxiety. Um, you know, we're blessed either way in the New Covenant, honestly, but you are going to be limiting yourself if you are not giving and you're not sowing. I'm just going to be honest. It's, you're not living to the full potential. And God has not fully got your heart if you cannot give and sow. I'm just being honest on that. Um, we, we have to be able to learn to sow, to be generous, to set aside income, to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, that's part of us coming under the lordship of Christ and seeking first the kingdom and saying, God, all I have is yours I'm a steward. What do you want me directing it towards? What am I funneling it towards? So that's what it's about. So the, the moral here, start somewhere. If, you, if this is new for you and you've never, hey, this is scary, start somewhere. You can ask the Holy Spirit where he would have you start. But start setting some goals for yourself. This is a great starting point to start to build your life from. You will be blessed. You will be one of the ones giving the testimonies up here when you see God start breaking through financially. Um, If you're stuck and you're in a place where, man, I just, I can't give, I can't do anything, you you might be there because you haven't had a prosperous mindset that gives and sows. And watch you get out of that problem. Um, When people talk about, you know, hey, I I got these, you know, you might be here and you're like, I've got some serious debt, right? Like, I've got some school loans, I've got some you know, and here's the reality. The challenge with credit cards and debt is that interest compounds. So it compounds dramatically. So you can feel like you're in a situation that feels impossible. But I would encourage you, start giving, start sowing, and then you get the help of a supernatural God to get you out of that. Um, I have heard remarkable stories of people being in a huge amount of debt, and they start applying some of these principles of their life and watch how God exponentially speeds up the process. I mean, I have heard that so many times. Man, I started, I started giving, I started sowing, and then at the same time, I'm trying to pay down this credit card debt, and I just started paying it down so much faster than the goals that I initially set. Well, you know why that is? Because now you've brought your finances under the lordship of Jesus, and he's helping you. Not just compound interest helping you, Jesus, I mean, supernaturally helping you get breakthrough. So just try it. I just encourage you to try it. Watch what, watch what God does. So, um, so that's that. So I'm going to transition here for a little bit. I hope that's helpful. I hope it stirs us to learn 
I mean, there are people in here that I know you can ask that understand this stuff too. Bill Royal, and I mean, just, just you know, look around, Tom Smith, people who have probably employed this stuff, who have these finance backgrounds, ask for help. You can't afford to not know what you're doing. Right. Uh, get some help. You, some basic things can change the directory of your life. You don't have to become an expert, um, but, but get, get help, and uh, you know, I'm willing to talk with you too. So in New Hope, when I think about this, in the explosiveness of what God wants to do here, it starts with us on an individual level. We're going to feel the effects of it. Um, when the water comes into the harbor, all the boats rise. Right. You know, and when water comes into your harbor, all the boats here are going to rise. Ah, There's going to be a huge increase of what God is going to do because uh, we need it to accomplish the call that we have on our lives here at New Hope. One of the things uh, that we feel like from the Lord is we've had words over for this place for years that talk about it being an apostolic center. Uh, we've had levels of that in the past. Um, we, we had a word from Bill Vanderbush a couple years ago that said there are going to be international ministries being birthed out of this church. We've had one already that's here. The Walton Academy is here. The headquarters are here. But that there are going to be many others. Um, so that's something that we need to be preparing for, that God wants to use us to further expand the kingdom of God exponentially. That's awesome. You know, some of our themes here at church are about the supernatural in the church. You know, prophecy, healing, healing the sick, uh, women in ministry, seeing the women in ministry. The church is one of the ones holding back women in the, wor in the world. You know, in a company, they can exceed and you know, succeed and rise to the top and become a CEO. In the church, for some reason, it's like, no, you, you, you can't. Um, that, that needs to change, and the church needs to get on the front of this issue and not be the laggard. So we really believe in that, that women are called to be in ministry. There's a female apostles in the New Testament. Why can there be female apostles and not a female elder? I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. Like, we, we need to move past this. There's so much women leadership in the New Testament just alone. Um, we talk about here freedom and not control. It's, it's not about... Uh, controlling people. It's about people of God that are free. And when there's freedom, that's where you know where the Lord is. It talks about the presence of God, fivefold ministry, equipping the saints for the work of ministry. The fire starters thing is about equipping the saints so that we actually go out and we're in our normal work days and we're bringing the kingdom of God wherever we are. It's like extending the kingdom of God. It's not just about happen everything happening in the church building. I would love to see this church funding other churches in ministries that are going after the same stuff. You know, like, I mean, there could be, you know, when the Welton Academy Summit here happens in October, there's tons of leaders that pastor small churches, and you hear their heart, you, it's like they're, they're so got this whole thing, and they're, they're going after it the best they can. But it's not easy. And churches smaller even need seed. They need funding. They need support. I would love to see us be at the point where we're sowing into some strategic works, yeah. is you know taking our income that's collected together and sowing percentages of that to churches and ministries who are doing the same things or even more. Um, we have a part-time, we have a, a need for a, a children's director here. I remember years ago where we talked where there was a point where there was only like two or three children, you know, less than 10 years ago. And we were praying. We're like, we're going to steward this so well. I don't care if there's two kids. We're going to treat them like 50. Well, now we have 40 to 50 kids. We need a children's director. We need to hire that. We need the funds in order to be able to do that. 
We want to invest more in media and get the message out here, get camera equipment, uh, start getting the messages out on Facebook, filming, recording what God is doing here. Um, we talk about growth. We need to be focusing. As you can see, we're growing. It's getting more full in here. We need to be thinking about that building because of what God is going to be doing. And he's had many words here about God adding families, and we're in this season of seeing new people coming in. Um, so we need to get, be thinking bigger. We need to be um, you know, thinking about that building. And you can't do that alone. We need everybody on board for that one. That's going to be a big one. Uh, we're developing and stewarding our initial facility. Yeah, last year we did the cafe. You know, we've got a big facility to maintain. We're hosting people. We're hosting conferences here. Uh, there's going to be more conferences here this year, and there will be even more next year. People coming in from all over the nations in the, in, in the country uh, to be, you know, attending conferences here, Welton Academy events and things. We need to be, really have an overflow of income to be able to steward this facility well because God's calling us to more hosting for other people. We have missionaries that depend on New Hope. You know, in uh, China, we have uh, Bill, Bill and Mary have a sister church connected with us in, in Mexico. They depend on the support from this place, and, and there's others that are supported. We have a benevolence ministry that actually gives money to those in need. So when you're writing out your checks and putting it in a secure give, uh, we have a certain percentage of our money actually goes toward people in need here. Because in a family, we have people, you hit hard times, and you need, you need a hand up, you need a little bit of help. And that's what the body of Christ is for. So that's what some of your giving is going towards. Um, so that's all to say, this is kind, that's kind of where we're going as a church. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah. And it's a big deal. God has big calls in this place. He's got big calls on people individually here. He's calling us to step out in faith, to raise the level of expectancy in our own lives and for what God wants to do here. So isn't that good? I mean, life is never going to be boring. You know? In the kingdom, life's not boring. You know, I don't want to be a part of something that's stagnating and not moving anywhere or that we're not all growing and committed to faith and stretching ourselves, you know. It's so awesome. We've got such yeah. a great group of people that are committed to that. So I want to call up Joy uh, just to share a little bit here as we close. So I'm excited to share with you about something uh, next week called Breakthrough Sunday. Happening next week, March 4th, right here, Steve's going to be finishing up the third week of the Unbroke series. And uh, we are going to be blasting off with this Breakthrough Sunday. Um, you know, I thought it was very interesting, John's message this morning that the Lord gave him about stepping out of our homes and going down to the dock. I think that Breakthrough Sunday happening next week is going to be an opportunity for us to step out of our homes. It requires doing something. You know, a lot of times in churches, people don't like to talk about money because there has been instances in the church at large where people strong arm you, where people guilt you, people shame you, people try to control your money. I hope you see that that's not our heart. I hope you see that that doesn't represent who we are. But we made a choice that we said, you know what, our hearts are good and we are going to talk about money because you all have it and you all deal with it every day. We are doing you a disservice to not talk about it for fear of being misunderstood. So we've decided that we are going to step past that fear and we're going to say, you know what, it's time to talk about it because we want to see financial breakthrough for all of you. We are a supernatural 
church here. We believe in supernatural. Some of the things that we teach you is if you want to believe for supernatural healing, then you take a risk and you step out and you pray for someone who needs to be healed. If you want to understand supernatural prophecy, hearing from God, then you step out and you start speaking and you, and you take that risk of saying, I don't know whether this is right, but I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna step out. Well, if you want to see financial breakthrough in your life, it requires you to take a risk and to give. It's the same principle that applies to all the other supernatural things that we teach you here. So we're not afraid to tell you that if you want to see supernatural financial breakthrough in your life, it requires you to take a risk. It requires you to give. So Breakthrough Sunday next week is an opportunity for you to step out and to say, I am taking a risk. I am leaving my home and I'm heading down to the dock to see the ships that God is sending in. We are going to stand with you together as a leadership team and pray with you in the things that you're believing for breakthrough with. Can you pass out the envelopes? We have two things we're going to pass out to you. Number one is our Breakthrough Sunday offering envelopes that you will be turning in next week. And the other thing that you're going to receive is a half sheet of paper for you to take, take home, to read through, on one side, it has the principles of Breakthrough Sunday so that if you forget, you understand what it is that is behind all of this. On the back, there's some practical steps for you. On the back, there's also a list of some resources that are available if you feel like you want to learn more about uh, being in control of your finances, developing a prosperous soul. There's some good resources recommended there. So inside this Breakthrough Sunday envelope, the in, inside the flap, is this little area right here, the most important, that says, I am believing for Breakthrough 4. This is for you to write down what it is that you are believing for in Supernatural Breakthrough. A lot of these things will be uh, financial. Not all of them will be financial. For you, it might not only be a financial thing, it might be something else. For some of you, it's going to be believing for a better job. For some of you, it's going to be believing for paying off debt. For some of you, it's going to be believe, believing for college scholarships to come in for your kids. For some of you, it will be believing for the money to come in so that you have money to support your aging parents who are in senior homes. Or maybe you're believing, maybe you have experienced infertility and you're believing to see pregnancy happen. Maybe you have a child who's walked away from the Lord and you're believing for that. It could be a multitude of things. But each of you is going to have something that you're believing for breakthrough for. Sometimes it's going to just come to you because it's so right in the forefront of your mind you know exactly what it is. Some of you are going to be praying and asking God, what is it that I'm believing for breakthrough for? Whatever that is, you're going to write it in right here. If you already know what it is, you can write it down right now. Next Sunday at the end of the service, when we do our breakthrough offering, you're going to come up and you're going to put this offering in the bucket. There's going to be several of us up here who are going to pray with you and believe with you for breakthrough. And then after we receive the offering, later that week, the office staff is going to 
rip off this top piece, and we are going to continue to pray with you for this breakthrough as a leadership team. And we are believing that there is going to be testimonies flowing into this house that are unprecedented. It's going to be amazing. So I just want to take a minute right here to just uh, focus our hearts on the Lord and ask him, God, what is it that I'm believing for breakthrough for? Number one, and I also want you to focus and ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you're asking me to give? If you want to move God's heart with your giving, then it needs to move your heart too. We're not talking about a little piddly amount that doesn't require risk. Stepping out and seeing supernatural things always requires risk on our part. So stepping out and taking risk and saying, I am going to give this, even though it's scary because I trust you and I know that you're going to come through. So just quiet your hearts and wait on Holy Spirit. All right, I want you to stand with me. I want you to take your envelope and I want you to just hold it up. And I want you to repeat after me and I want you to repeat after me like you believe it. Even if you don't, we're going to declare it. Jesus, I'm believing for breakthrough. Say it again. Jesus, I'm believing for breakthrough. Say it again. Jesus, I'm believing for breakthrough. I trust you. You are a good father. You will provide all that I need. And I will take a risk. I will step out of my house. I will go down to the dock. And I will see the king's ships coming in. Because you are good. Jesus' name. <laughs> it's good. So have a seat. So next week. We're going to take our regular offering after the worship service like we normally do. Steve's going to come up. He's going to close uh, the Unbroke series. And at the end of the service is going to be this special offering called the Breakthrough Offering. So I hope you hear our hearts. In no way are we looking to strong arm you. We are looking to teach you that stepping out and taking risk and seeing supernatural breakthrough in your life, it's a real thing. It really happens, and we trust that God's going to come through for you. So be excited. This is a good thing. So we'll be praying for you this week as you're asking the Lord what it is he's calling you to give. And uh, we are believing for things here at New Hope to go to a whole new level. The tide is rising. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Feel free to contact us for further resources at newhopecom.org.